Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumble.org. you got a Bible this morning, I invite you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. If you don't have a Bible with you, the words will be up there on the screen in back of me. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and if you are new with us, we are in a series called Saints Together. We're walking through the book, the letter of uh, 1 Corinthians, and we're now at chapter 4, and we'll get there in just a moment. Let me start by asking you a question. What are the top five traits that you value in a leader? What are the top five traits that you admire, that you value in a leader? And think about how our culture might answer that question. We could think of words like honesty and courage and passion and vision. And we might think of leaders who embody these values. I thought about honesty and Abraham Lincoln came to mind, right? Honest Abe, uh, one of our great presidents. And so honesty might be one. Courage, the first person that came to my mind was Martin Luther King Jr. and his, his courage to lead the civil rights movement. And so courage is a value often in our culture when we think of leaders. Turning to the, to the business world, I think of vision. Vision is a word we, we think of when, when leaders are, are leading with vision. We think of Steve Jobs and how he uh, revolutionized the way we communicate with the iPhone I think of the, uh, the sports world of things, and I think of the value of confidence. Uh, Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time to play basketball, and he had confidence, right? He wanted the ball in his hands uh, to take the last shot. He exuded confidence. And then, and then passion. Passion is a word uh, that, that resonates with our culture today. You might think of Oprah Winfrey. We might disagree with her on some things, but she certainly exudes passion and enthusiasm, um, more contemporary, maybe for some of you, uh, Taylor Swift and her ambition in life, right? She writes so much music, had so many uh, number one hits. And so stepping back from all those quote-unquote leaders and, and what we value in a leader, this is not too unlike the church at Corinth. They valued some of the same things. Greek culture in particular placed a high value on status and power and wealth and one's ability to captivate an audience with one's persuasive, lofty speech and rhetorical skill. And yet, to put it mildly, when Jesus came on the scene, he flipped leadership on its head. I mean, he turned everything upside down. Jesus is the total game changer when it comes to leadership. No doubt Paul's views on leadership were shaped directly by the crucified Christ, and he expected the leaders and the the teachers of the Corinthian community to take their cues from him, to follow him as he followed Christ. And so our passage today is about leadership, which matters to everyone here in this room. Why? Because all of us are led, and all of us are leaders in some capacity, All of us have influence on others. And so the question is, how do we lead like Jesus? How do we lead like Jesus? 
When 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul begins by saying, This is how one should regard us. This is how one should regard us. Us is referring to the apostles and the, the pastors there, as well as Christian leaders. And I think we can lump in all of us because really all of us have influence on others. And so this is how one should regard us leaders, as Christian leaders, and he says three things. Paul begins by saying Christian leaders are to be servants and stewards. Christian leaders are to be servants and stewards. Look at verses 1 to 5. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God." So Paul begins by saying Christian leaders are to be servants and stewards. Let's, let's start with servants. The word in the original language, this word for servant, isn't the usual word doulos here. It's a different word. It's a word that literally means under rower, an under rower. It's one who rowed in the lower part of the ship, which signifies service of a lowly kind. And it reminds us of Jesus' words in Mark 9.35. Jesus says, if anyone wants to be first, he must be very last and be the servant of all. A chapter later, Jesus said, for even the Son of Man, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus himself came as a servant. And yet nobody really wants to be a servant, right? I mean, nobody wants a tireless, thankless, underappreciated job. Nobody aspires to be a servant, an under-rower, right? This past week, uh, my wife and I took Emmy along with us to a couple of different college visits. And uh, if you have, have done that before as parents or you're in the process of doing that, you know that can be kind of exhausting, uh, but we, we went on those visits, and uh, we met with some of the professors, and she's talking about the subject, subjects that she's interested in and pursuing and possible career paths. But, but I thought about, in the context of those conversations, nobody answers this question, which you get this question from the professors. So what kind of job are you looking to get into? Nobody answers that question by saying, well, I just want to be a servant, Right? Nobody says that. Nobody aspires to that, right? Nobody says, well, that's what I'd like to become. I'd like to be a servant, a a slave of all. That's, That's my aspiration in life. And yet, being a servant is where leadership starts, right? That's leadership. Think about Jesus. He served people. He came not to be served, but to serve. He cared for people. He washed people's feet. He didn't get a lot of money and a lot, a lot of fame, but he was a loving, humble servant. Leadership is all about serving others. And so Christian leadership is first being a servant. 
Secondly, Christian leaders ought to be stewards. Stewards. Verse 1 and 2 again. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. And so what is a steward? A steward is, is one who manages an estate, manages a household. And so we think of uh, Joseph in the Old Testament and how he was uh, a manager, a steward over Potiphar's house and estate. He was entrusted, right, with this significant responsibility of managing this. He didn't own it. He managed it for the owner. We, too, have been entrusted with a significant responsibility. As Christian leaders, and, and that's really all of us, we are stewards of all that we have, of all that we've been given. Now, specifically for Paul and other pastors and leaders, we're to steward the mysteries of God, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to guard that and to, and to teach that and to be trustworthy with that. But for all of us here in this room, we've been entrusted as Christians with certain gifts and certain talents, with a certain amount of money, right, and skills and abilities, and to use all of that for the glory of God and for the maximum effectiveness of his kingdom. I've shared this once before, but we think of the acronym FIST, all right? All of us have finances, influence, skills, and time. But some of us have a clenched fist. We think, well, that's mine. I worked hard for all of that. That's all of mine. I'll keep it to myself. But God says, no, no, no. I own you. I made you. And you're to be a steward of all that I've given to you. So are you using your finances generously? Are you giving to the church? Are you using your influence to bless other people? The skills and the gifts that you've been given are from God. Are you using those gifts to equip and to encourage those at the, in the body of Christ? And your time, how are you using your time? You're stewarding your time for the glory of God and the, and the maximum effectiveness of his kingdom. We're to be generous. We're to be stewards. And in so doing, we'll be found to be faithful to be faithful. That's what he says here. It's required of stewards that they be found to be faithful. What does that mean? Well, ultimately, we're faithful because we're accountable to God. We're accountable to God. Look at verses three to five as Paul elaborates on this point. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. And so we ultimately are serving and, and stewarding all that we have because one day we will give an account. That's every one of us here in this room. Now, the Corinthians, they cared way too much about the opinions of other people. Paul says, listen, it's a very little thing for me to be judged by you. What he's saying is, I've moved past trying to win your approval. I don't even care about what I think of myself. Only one opinion really matters, and that's God. At the end... And that final day, 
When I look in Jesus' eyes, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the day that he's anticipating. He doesn't care so much about what other people think of him anymore. He cares about what God thinks. He's responsible to God. He's accountable to God to be a servant of Christ, to be a steward of the mysteries of God. And so Christian leadership is all about being a servant and a steward. Secondly, Christian leaders are to be humble, not haughty. Humble, not haughty. Look at verses 6 to 7. Paul says, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And so Paul says Christian leaders are to be humble, marked by our humility. Guys, I think humility is the soil in which all the fruit of the Spirit grow. It all starts with humility. But sadly, the Corinthian leaders prided themselves on their ability to communicate and to persuade and captivate audiences with their lofty speech and their rhetorical skill. But Paul reminds them that humility, humility is cultivated when you consider that your authority is not in you, but in the Word of God. He says in verse 6, don't go beyond what is written. In other words, stay in submission to the Word of God. That's where your authority lies. It's not in you. It's in the Word of God. The Corinthians got off track here because they, they, they walked away from the Word of God which always leads to pride, right? When you think that you're your own authority, I'll, I'll go ahead and live the way I want to live, and you're not under the word of God, that's going to lead to a lot of pride in your life and a lot of tragedy, a lot of problems. I think about the word submission. The prefix sub means under, like submarine under the water. So in submission, to God's word, Paul sees Christian leadership as a coming under. He's, he's a servant, right? He's, he's lowering himself. And as a servant, he is submitting himself under the word of God. That means if you aspire to, to leadership, you must be a humble learner of God's word. And a humble learner to those who have been given authority to teach God's word in your life. And you govern your life and your values and your actions under the word of God. You're humble and you're not haughty. Look at verse 6 again. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. And so this word haughty means uh, to be arrogant, prideful, thinking you're superior to others. It's just another way of saying that you're puffed up, like the Corinthians. Paul uses that phrase five times in this letter and only in reference to these Corinthians. So they struggle with pride. So what does it mean to be puffed up? The word literally means to be overinflated or swollen with pride, and the word is, is related to uh, the word in the original language, internal organs. And so Tim Keller helps by saying these words. He says, imagine a painful organ in your body that's swollen, inflated with air, and re <clears throat> excuse me, ready to burst. Paul says, 
That's the condition of our prideful human ego. Even though it's puffed up, looks good to everybody else on the outside, on the inside, we're empty. This is our fallen human ego. We're empty. It's kind of like when you go to Hy-Vee or uh, Fairway and you get a big bag of potato chips and you open it up, right? It's like half of that's air. Some of us, we got to be honest with ourselves, we got a lot of hot air and not a lot of substance, right? We're all puffed up with, with so much pride, but in the end, man, we don't have a lot there inside. And not only are we empty, we're, we're, it's painful, this human ego that we're living with, because when you're puffed up, you're never really happy. You notice that? You're always hurting on the inside. Our human ego is always hurting, and that's why it's always busy doing two things, comparing and boasting. Our human ego, it's fragile, it's hurting, and so what we try to do to to get rid of that discomfort, we try to compare ourselves and one-up other people. Comparing and boasting is what Paul alludes to here and what the Corinthian church, they were struggling with. I wonder if that's true in your life. Do you find yourself, maybe you wouldn't say it out loud, but constantly comparing yourself, how you stack up against someone else spiritually? Maybe um, even physical appearance. This is not just a middle school kind of thing. Us adults can still struggle with this kind of thing. We have so many insecurities inside. We feel the need to boast about ourselves to make sure people know all of what we're doing spiritually. We feel like we've got to somehow put our best foot forward so others wouldn't hurt our ego inside. And so Paul says, you're living a life of comparison, And boasting, you're all puffed up and you need to be humbled and not haughty. Christian leaders have learned, or should I say are learning, that Christ has accepted us and approved of us. We don't need to seek out the acceptance and the approval of others because we have been accepted in Jesus and we're secure in that. That security allows us to serve other people in love. Not to get something from you that I need to fix my fragile little human ego, but I'm free to love you because I'm secure here because of what Jesus has done for me. Paul says we've got to remind ourselves of what we've received in verse 7. For who sees anything different in you? You're no different. What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? All we have comes from God, so we have no grounds to boast right? That's foolish. He owns you. He made you. Everything you have, everything I have is his. So who am I going to boast about? Not me. Not look at me, but look at him and how great he is. I want to tell you more about him. Paul wants us to be humble and not haughty. Christian leaders are servants and stewards, humble, not haughty. And thirdly, Christian leaders are last, Last and lowest. Look at verse 8. Already you have all you want. Already you've become rich. Without us you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. Now, Now very rarely do we see Paul mock someone. But that's kind of what he's doing here. He's, he's somewhat sarcastic here. He's wanting to get their attention. Essentially, he's saying to these prideful Corinthian leaders, 
you guys think you're so great and, and so successful and everyone's applauding you and you're making all kinds of money, but let me tell you what leadership in God's kingdom is really like. It's not like that at all. It is not your best life now. It is the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it's worth it. It is worth it to follow Christ and lead like Christ. Look at verses 9 to 13. These are shocking words. Paul says, For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. So Paul here contrasts his view of himself with the Corinthians' view of themselves, and it's pretty shocking. Look at this contrast here. The Corinthians, Paul saying, you have all you want. Meanwhile, we go hungry and thirsty. You have become rich, but we, we live in rags. You have become like kings, but we're brutally treated, homeless, and work hard. You, you think you're wise in Christ. We become fools for Christ. You're strong, we're weak. You're honored, and we are dishonored. In verse 9, Paul uses this imagery here of gladiators in the arena. Look at verse 9. I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death because we become a spectacle to the world. Gladiators in an arena. Makes me think of the movie Gladiator, one of my favorite movies. There's a lot of blood in that movie, but as a man, you know, kind of revs you up to lead well, right? But when you think about that story in that movie, we're not like Maximus, Russell Crowe. We're not like him. We're not like Maximus as Christian leaders. We're not always victorious. We're doomed to die, Paul says. While everyone looks on, we're a spectacle from above, a spectacle to the world. Even angels are looking at us. We're spectacle. We're not always living in triumph, but often defeat, experiencing sufferings of all kinds. We're weak people, mistreated. Sometimes we'll be mocked at and reviled. And it says, when we are reviled, what do we do? We bless. We speak kindness. How often do you see that in our culture today? Are we known for our kindness? Yes, we need to have convictions, but are we known for our kindness? When others revile us, are we just going to revile right back? Are we going to be like Jesus and bless those who persecute us? Paul says in verse 13, we have become and are still like the scum of the world. So as Christian leaders, we're not only last of all, we're the lowest of all. Because you can't get any lower than scum, right? I'm pretty sure that's the lowest you can get. That's the bottom of the barrel, scum of the world. 
The Corinthians claimed to have some special status in the world. The world loved them as they were following along with the current of the world. They claimed to have some special status, but Paul knew his place. He knew he was lowest. He was last in the eyes of the world. A spectacle like scum. And right now, I wonder how many of you are saying, well, hey, sign me up for that. I mean, that sounds great to be a Christian leader. Count, count me in. We need to be honest, right, like Paul was. Christian leadership is not easy. It's hard. It's hard. There's a cost. Some of you may be aspiring to be a leader. Just know that it is not easy. And Paul invites us to join him. He invites the Corinthians and he invites us to imitate him as he imitates Christ. Look at verses 14 to 17. I do not write these things to you to make you ashamed. So listen, Paul may have mocked them here, but behind all of that, he loves them. He's not shaming them. Listen, but to admonish you as my beloved children. I love you. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That's why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, notice, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. It's not just you, it's every church. I want to remind you of the ways in Christ. So hear his heart in verse 14. He says, I think of you as my beloved children. I'm your spiritual father. This is tough love. I think about it in the parenting journey. Some of you know this. As, your parents, or as you parent your children... In the younger years, you know, um, they really need your help. I mean, they're really reliant upon you, dependent upon you for a lot. And I picture the, the, the church at Corinth, they were reliant on Paul during those beginning stages of, of growing. But now I think that they're kind of like teenagers who think they know better than Paul. <clears throat> that can happen. And we want to raise our kids to become independent and not completely reliant upon us for everything. But Paul here had to speak in their lives and say, wait a second, you're going way off course. And sometimes as parents, we got to do the same. Paul was a spiritual father through the gospel. He said, you've heard it from my lips and you've seen it in my life. I love you. And here's the main thing I want you to do. Verse 16, I urge you, be imitators of me. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says something similar. Follow me as I follow Christ. He's inviting them. Hey, come along. Follow me here as I follow my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Paul's view of leadership was shaped by his Savior. He took his cues from the crucified Christ, whom he met on the road to Damascus, who saved him and changed him forever. He was different. Man, I don't, I don't think anybody in Corinth lived the way Paul lived. I mean, nobody gave of themselves so generously, living a life of self-sacrifice and refusing to play the look-at-me game of power and prestige and prideful boasting. No, Paul said, like Jesus, I'm coming as a servant. Like Jesus, I just want to be a steward. I want to be faithful. Like Jesus, I'm coming to you humbly, not with haughtiness and pride. And like Jesus, I consider myself last 
and lowest of all. Why? Because the cross of Christ had changed him. It had humbled him, changed everything. In Philippians 2, Paul wrote this this beautiful expression of what Jesus has come to do for us. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. You see, leadership completely changed when Jesus died on a cross. That's why there's beauty in humility. You know that? Why do we find pride to be so ugly and humility so beautiful? It's because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Think about this. If the most shameful place is now a place of honor, if the lowest point is now the highest point, if humiliation led to exaltation, then leadership, listen, is no longer about us. It's about Jesus, right? It's about the cross. It's about dying to yourself that you might live like him. So as I close, three quick words of application. Number one, repent of your pride. Repent of your pride. As I'm reading through this week and studying, I didn't want to make that my first point of application, but I know I need it. This, this is a, a passage that reveals and exposes leaders. And I know how far I have to go as I follow Jesus. But how about you? Are you ready to turn away from your pride in this ego inside of you that needs to be puffed up and just realize you've been accepted in Christ and you're free now to love and serve. Repent of your pride. And let me go one step further because sometimes we think, oh, yeah, yeah, pride. We all struggle with pride. I agree with you. I'm prideful. How does that pride work itself out in your life? Like, peel back the layers on a day-to-day basis. How does pride rear its ugly head and manifest itself for you? Ask yourself that question. Pray that the Holy Spirit reveals that to you and repent of your pride. The church at Corinth was full of pride. And I know for us as a church, we all struggle with it. Secondly, count the cost. Count the cost. For those of you who aspire to Christian leadership, maybe it's here in the, in the church <clears throat> You're wanting to become more of a leader, more respected, more honored as a leader, that others would look to you as a leader. Just know this. Count the cost. Count the cost. Do you really want to be a leader? At the end of the day, you're going to be inconvenienced. You'll go through pain and bear burdens, joyful burdens, many of them, but count the cost. Paul was honest about Christian leadership. It is a sacrifice, and yet when you deny yourself, you're not denying what you desire most, and that's Jesus. Third, 
Lead like Christ. Lead like Christ. So be a servant and a steward. Be humble, not haughty. Be last and take the lowest place. In doing so, you'll be lifted up one day along with Jesus at that final day. Until then, love people. Love people like Christ has loved you. Take the lower place. Be a servant. Be a steward. Be humble, not haughty. Take the lowest place and be last of all. Follow Christ and his death for you on the cross and be humbled by it today as you serve. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that as we consider Christ in the way that he patterned leadership, we see humiliation, service, deep abiding love for people and we, we see the gap in our own lives and we pray that that gap would be narrowed as we keep looking to you, Jesus. And Lord, uh, for those who are struggling uh, today, may not even have a relationship with you, I pray the first step is they, they would follow you, they would repent of their pride that they try to live life on their own and they need you, Jesus and to take that step of faith and reliance upon you. And for those of us who are walking with you, help us to grow as leaders. I pray that Oak Hill Church would be known to be servants. We would be known for our service and our love and our willingness to be humble and just to follow in your footsteps, Christ Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.